Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Sailing frequencies open, sir. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Holy smokes. Episode 113 of Discovery has just hit your mind and your mind has exploded into a mycelial network. My name is Jordan Hoffman. I am your host back from a long exile. Hello, Brian. Hey, Jordan. What's up? Welcome Uh, back. It's good to hear. (laughs) Thank you. It's good to hear your voice again. I was away for a few weeks. So I want to thank uh, you for holding down the fort. I want to thank our friend uh, Matt Patches, who filled in with me, filled in for me, and with me because one week I was there. Um, and also to thank our guest uh, interviewer, who we're going to introduce in a little bit, Emma Stefanski, who was also a guest on our show a few weeks ago. I was running around. I was away for a week on the Star Trek cruise, which we're going to talk about on a later episode because I brought some audio back for you and brian i made sure that the uh people on the cruise said hello to you i did hear that thank you very much for the shout out you did (laughs) i will say that i met um and you hear that cough i have a little bit Uh (laughs) uh-oh that is still a little bit of a lingering from the star trek cruise (laughs) uh everything they say about cruises is true the high and low but i had a great time on the cruise um but there were uh a couple of people who stopped me that listened uh while i was gallivanting around and some said they were listeners of the show and many people said that we love brian we need more brian on the show wow and one person said i love brian for his crazy theories and he's always right (laughs) and i'm like yeah so far so good and then i come back to land and you did it again (laughs) brian's wacky theory brian was right brian is always right he was right about evoke from the get-go, go back. It's all on tape. There's there's proof of this. <laughs> well, Brian okay. Was well, first Vol- Volk, catch- I was I was hinted at by something on the internet. Most everything else yeah. was my own wacky theories. You caught them all, and you were the first to suggest that Lorca originated from the mirror universe, which you and Matt Patches discussed in a previous episode. So we don't have to get into all that. Yeah. So that's cool. I was, and then I was away. I was at the uh, Sundance Film Festival where. 
which is another reason why I'm still coughing because they they have an annual film festival in January when it's cold and they have it on the top of a mountain in Utah where there's no oxygen. Oh. And so if you arrive with a little bit of a cold, all it does is exacerbate and get worse and you have dry lips and and you know what I love when have you Brian, you wake up in the morning, isn't there nothing more lovely than to have the sensation of if somebody shoved a Triscuit up your nose? <laughs> That's what it's like uh, in in beautiful, luxurious Park City, Utah, which is a ski town in the middle of a mountain somewhere. You know, I had and every morning I had no idea that's where Sun Sundance took place. Yeah, well, it's it's yeah. You'd think it'd be somewhere with the sun. Well, there is sun. You're closer to the sun up there. There's no air. <laughs> that's a good point. No, the reason they did it is this. They, they, uh, just very quickly, the Sundance Film, Film Festival, which I'm sure everyone listening has heard of, and it is it happens every January. It's the kickoff to the year in in the movie biz. And it's also sort of the most important spot for independent filmmaking in North America and, and probably in the world. <clears throat> because the other film festivals are usually bigger. Like, there's other big festivals include Cannes Film Festival, Toronto, Venice. But Sundance, you know, always had its roots in, like, bootstrapping young, uh, you know, upstarts, you know, maxing out their credit cards and making movies. It's not like that anymore, but that's kind of what its origin story is. So anyway, when it first started... Um, it wasn't that big of a deal, but they had it up in Park City, Utah, and then Robert Redford got involved. They renamed it. it used to be called something else. Then he renamed it Sundance, as in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, by ah. the way. Had it been Paul Newman that it, that got on board, it would be called Butch Dance, which I always <laughs> like to think about. So anyway, um, uh, part of the shtick was back in the old days, it was difficult to get Hollywood muckety-mucks who, you know, these young... Uh, upstart uh, filmmakers wanted people to come and watch their movies and be like, you know, if you're a buyer from a big studio, like, you know, I don't know, Warner Brothers or something, yeah, why don't I want to go to go see some, well, if you come to this one Sundance, you can at least get some good skiing in. <laughs> and that was the draw. Huh. And it snowballed, though, and it, then Sundance became a big deal, and now it's stuck in this snow village that everybody, well, not everybody, but certainly I can't stand, and a lot of other people can't stand because they <laughs> can't breathe up there. So now I've given you the, uh, the the straight dope. Now you know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. But the point I'm making is, while I was there working my butt off watching four movies a day and then writing about them and getting very little sleep, going to bed at 3.30 in the morning, getting up at 7.30 in the morning, which I need my beauty rest. That's not enough for me. <laughs> um, I know you, uh, Brian, as the father of a small child, you're like, that's, that's yeah, nothing. That's nothing. I've been up since about 4.45 this morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, anywho... Uh, in between that, I was able to watch, uh, because I am blessed to get early peeks at the new episodes, I was able to watch episode 13, but then I watched it again last night, because uh, to watch it half asleep in the middle of uh, the mountains is not the way to do it. So I've seen it twice, and I can tell you that it is phenomenal. It is really a big deal. I think what this episode does, episode 13, which, by the way, was written by... Uh, a friend of the podcast, Engage, uh, Ted Sullivan, who's been a guest before, one of our better episodes. Uh, it really does mark clearly this is the Star Trek that you know. This is the Federation that you know. Saru has some lines. He even boldly says, Our maiden voyage is now, you know, the exact quote. So that is really cool, and I think will kind of some people who are questioning i don't know i don't get this ship it doesn't feel like the federation to me 
I think you'll see this is the turning point. But, and this is what's interesting, the episode does it in such a way that it feels so modern and so energetic. And also, and I don't consider this a negative, b- borrows a lot from Star Wars. There's a lot of Star Wars in this episode, but only the good stuff. So I think there's definitely a lot to chew on. But before we get to that, I think um, we should talk about our... Um, we should kick it over to our uh, special event where we had a guest come in. But, Brian, you had a couple things that you noticed that you wanted to talk about uh, before we did Yes, that. actually. So, um, speaking of Ted Sullivan, who wrote the episode, he actually did some uh, Q&A on Twitter yesterday. Um, he People asked him questions. There's an article on uh, trekmovie.com that kind of sums it up. But um, he talks about um, – hold on here. I lost I lost my page. <laughs> Uh, okay, so yeah, it says is somebody asked him if um, when Brian Fuller was involved, if it was the plan to go to the Mirror Universe all along, and he said that yes, it wasn't the plan, but they they stretched it out to be a little later in the in the season uh, to kind of ah. let you live with the characters a little more, which I thought was interesting. Um, I, I think that's a gr- I think that was a really smart move on their part. Yeah, because, because it feels so much it you really you care more about the characters, and it feels like more of a you know it wouldn't mean much to see mirror Tilly if you didn't get to really know and love regular Tilly. My, you know that's I mean? my exact point, yeah. Um, <laughs> the the other the other question, the answers to questions about uh, L- Lorca's uh, scars um, and uh, how he got them and they, they kind of they mentioned uh, there were hand agonizers. I'm not sure if he's joking about that or not. No, no, no. Well, they in, in mirror, mirror TOS, the first time you see agonizers, it's a Hand-held you know what? Device. You're right. I forgot about yeah. that. He says this to a mirror. Spock says it to mirror Chekhov. He says, "Your agonizer, please." And then uh, they get an, or maybe it's not to Chekhov because Chekhov goes in the agony booth, but it's somebody who's involved. And there's like a little, it's like a little badge that you put on, and they go ah, and they flip out. And then they call the booths. They call them agony booths. That's and right. In, in this show, they've been calling them agonizer booths, but. You know that's okay. That that the fact that they have them at all is awesome. So, uh, yeah. So th- those were those were the scars. Then where? Yeah, they, they, they also mentioned that they huh? could be from daggers because much much like the dagger that uh, the, the the captain of Discovery used on I can't remember the character's name the ensign that oh, attacked the ensign, that attacked Captain Burnham. on Shenzu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Was it the Shenzu? In the, in the Shenzu. The you're right. You're right. Uh, yeah, Shenzu on the on the Parabolith. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's the implication is that. Uh, Mirror Lorca, or as we've been knowing him, Lorca, uh, has just been like a, a rootin' tootin' fighting man for for his whole life. So the fact that he's got scars all over the place is not uh, not any surprise. And the, the the last thing here they really mentioned I thought was interesting is that well, there's two things that they mentioned there there may be some more um, LGBT re- relationships explored in the future, and they said mm, okay. that um, that Lieutenant Stamets lab is like a personal lab and that's not actually the main engineering room so we may see a more traditional engineer in the next season i'll ask huh, yeah no yeah stamets is not the chief engineer he's the mycologist and the specialist that runs the spore drive much like culber may he rest in peace or be in whatever sort of ether he's in right now culber is not the chief medical officer we've yet to meet the bones Dr. Crusher, Dr. Bashir of this show, you know? And that's always been kind of an odd thing. I mean, you know, I was going to bring this up at the end of the podcast, but I'm amazed still. Th- 
13 episodes in that occasionally when they're on the bridge and they cut to a face, I'm like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> There's still some, I mean, starting to know some of the bridge, uh, most of the bridge officers now, but... Um, you know, there's still like, and one of the problems is there's a Reese and a Bryce. Yeah, that doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't. There's a Reese and a Bryce. Give me a break. And there's uh, a Wesakun. Obviously, is, is more recognizable. Uh, yeah, Osakun. I finally learned that uh, this episode because they said it like yeah. three times. Yeah, and there's the robot gal, Ari, something Arium. But there's still like one or two. Then it happened in episode thirteen at the very end. So I'm, I'm getting way ahead of myself. When now Captain Saru, oh yeah, Captain Saru is like leading when they discover the big switcheroo at the end, they cut to some face. I'm like, who the F is this guy? But I love that because, you know, in the very early days of the marketing of Discovery, they made a big deal about the fact that the the, the protagonist of the show will not be the captain. And boy, howdy, did they make that evident with this one. Oh yeah. By, spoiler alert, killing off uh, Lorca. Um, so it's it's meant to be Burnham's journey so she's yet to have to go to the doctor. She hasn't seen Bones yet, so she hasn't seen Scotty yet. Um, so I get, you know, the, the fact that next year we'll see, I guess, ostensibly Stamets' boss or whoever whoever makes the warp core go. Um, that's a great opportunity for a new bit of casting. You yes. know, you get to bring in a new. Is that what is that what Sullivan was sort of tipping? That, I, I that believe so. I believe because uh, okay. because as um, as I've previously theorized and as we've seen this episode, we do lose Lorca. And uh, there was something I was else I was going to say for the actual episode, but I'll mention it now since we already talked about him dying. The uh, the fate of regular universe Lorca will be addressed at some point, which I think is interesting. But um, yeah, yeah. We're, we're clearly seeing you know some some characters uh, spots being vacant. I think that leaves some room to bring in some fresh blood for the next season because we're going to have a few less characters around. And I think there may be another one we may be losing as well. Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah, this show is definitely has, I don't want to say they, it is, this, this show has since day one been inspired by the hits of our time. And the biggest hit of our time in fantasy and science fiction is Game of Thrones. And, what is Game of Thrones known for if not killing killing off the people yep. you love? And then also bringing in great casting down the road. You know, uh, Alexander Siddig showing up in season four, right? So, uh, although, although that's, a, that's a whole story because they, they ridiculously misused that casting and all that. Well, and that character. I'm, just tying it into, I'm tying it into Star Trek. <laughs> so, yes, season two of Discovery could do very well when they go on the campaign trail of what's happening new if they say all right we we all love jason isaacs and he's gone although we thought michelle Yao was gone too and she seems to be back but you know we love jason isaacs he's certainly not on board for where we knew him but here comes chief engineer and it could be anyone it could be anyone it could be katie sackoff <laughs> that hey that would be interesting <laughs> shoot in Canada every science fiction show shot in Canada has Katie Sackhoff alright well listen um, let's let's put a pin in it for now because we have a hot bulletin hot bulletin Brian can you add the sound effect of some kind of hot bulletin while I say that um, sure or I'll do it myself I'll do it myself hot bulletin uh, while I was out of town we got a notification from our friends over at uh, CBS All Access that Mary Wiseman Cadet Tilly aka Captain Killy was going to be in New York, and would she would would we have her on the show? And of course, I would love to have her on the show, 
But I was away. But I didn't want to have the opportunity to get missed because she is probably, at the end of the day, my favorite thing about the new show. Um, and that's a tough, tough battle. You know? It is but, a tough battle. Um, she uh, graciously accepted our invitation. And at the very last minute, we got a guest host to come in with you, Brian, our friend Emma, who was on earlier. And um, Emma was also uh, fighting a cold while she came in and uh, spoke with her. And um, it, it, it turned out to be a really great interview. It's not that long. It's about 20 minutes, a little bit, just, just around 20 minutes. And uh, I'll be very honest. She was a little bit nervous at first. I don't think she's done many on-air interviews with talent that she adores. So let's give her a little time to be nervous. But I think it, it was all the more worth it because by the end, there's a real a real rapport and camaraderie there. And I think it's a really great interview. And I hope that Emma will come back and do more. Maybe maybe the next time we have a cast member in there, she can join us because uh, she, she did some great uh, schmoozing. So rather than me talk anymore, let's go back now. How long ago was this recorded? About a week ago? This was Monday. This past Monday. So it was, it was the day after episode 12. So it was six days ago. Yes. So let's go back in time six days. And Mary Wiseman came... And uh, was wearing overalls. I saw a photo. And her hair looked like Prime Universe Tilly, it, right? It did, yes. Yeah, it was not straightened out. And she was not wearing um, a radical <laughs> uniform <laughs> with crazy daggers all over it. She was, as I'm saying, wearing overalls. And we're going to hear that interview now. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. Hello, welcome to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I'm Emma Stefanski. I'm not Jordan Hoffman. You might notice Jordan is at Sundance right now, so I'm filling in for him. And we have Mary Wiseman, also known as Tilly, Cadet Tilly, Captain Killy, <laughs> on the podcast today. Mary, how are you? I'm good. How you guys doing? <sighs> doing, doing great. Cool. Oh my God. Uh, we, I guess this might not go up immediately afterwards, but we just saw the third episode of this, like this year's bunch of them. Uh huh. So we so... have just seen. Let's see, Brian. What did we just see? We saw. We we got some major revelations this uh, this episode. Um, yeah. So, so some confirmations, some big old fan theories this week. <laughs> yeah, we uh, they're definitely in the mirror universe, and uh, you have a really cool role this time around. What was your reaction to knowing? When did you learn that you were going to be in the mirror universe? You were going to be like very this badass captain. I can't remember when I found out I was going to be the captain, but Akiva Goldsman, who's a producer and mm. a sometime writer and sometime director on the show told me right at the beginning, well, right at my beginning in episode three that we were going to go into the mirror universe. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, yeah, I was really excited. <laughs> and, um, uh, but when I found out I was going to be captain, I was just 
yeah. floored and really excited. That's so cool. Especially the kind of captain that she is. It's very exciting. She's very scary. Yeah, she is terrifying. Um, and I love the costumes that you guys get to wear. That Was that like the coolest day, like putting those on? It was so awesome. It makes you feel like a warrior. And, you know, it's like just really great practical boob armor, which I yeah. appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I noticed that too. I was like, they're not like well, making everyone, them these ev- weird shapes. Everyone else's is like sort of a diagonal across the yeah. chest. And mine are like... Got to protect. It's awesome. <laughs> um, when did you know, like, or I guess when you got the script, when did you know that you were going to have to be, like, very scary person? Um, yeah, probably when we got the script. So, uh, you know, maybe, like, five days before okay. I shot it. So some time to prepare. And, yeah. you know, we also had a veteran um, directing. So Jonathan was able to guide me through a lot of what mm. it's like to sit in a captain's chair, et cetera. And, uh-huh. That's right. I forgot. Jonathan Frakes directed that episode. Yeah, yeah. He did. yeah, he was great. Oh man. Um, did was that difficult for you to be kind of mean and weird or? Oh no, I'm a terrible person. So <laughs> I just tapped into that this whole time. I've been putting on a facade. Great. Yeah. Um, no, it was really fun. It's just fun to you know, I don't know, bark at people and try to find a place within yourself where you can be intimidating. Yeah. That's that's really fun um, as an actor to get to yeah. place that. You know? Yeah, that's cool. And I like the uh, the wig that you have too. I mentioned that. the asymmetrical. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love it so 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 much. It's um, so cool. We went through a lot of rounds of wigs, and then um, the hair designer uh, Ryan Reed and I like really. Um, he really did me good. You know, <laughs> he did me right. Do you get like a, a say in what you get to wear? And you be like, I want that one. I want to look like this. Um, I get, <laughs> I get a say in as much as I can be like, can it be like this? And then it <laughs> doesn't do anything. <laughs> you know, the Aaron and Gretchen and uh, the director and Ryan get to decide, you know, stuff like that. But sure. it's all always so beautiful and amazing, and oh, it's so, so much cool. better than anything I could have dreamt up <laughs> by myself. Yeah. No, it looks awesome. I remember the first, when I first saw the uh, all the costumes, like everyone got into their kind of fake characters to be evil discovery. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to stay in this mirror universe forever. Everyone it's looks a, so cool. It's a really fun makeover episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Um, you have to say a lot of, like, techno babble stuff, mm-hmm. especially in these most recent ones. Yeah. There's that scene where you're explaining, like, giving the uh, spores to uh, Stamets to, like, help him out. Yeah. Um, and you have, like, a sequence of just, like, uh, not nonsense, I guess, because it makes sense, but yeah. you really have to be into it. Do you ever get, like, mixed up with lines oh like that? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you know, some people have a real facility for it. Like, Anthony can walk in there and just be like, but, like, I am I am really, like, struggling and, like, wading through mud. But, I mean, it, it does all make sense. Yeah. And especially all that stuff about his brain. I mean, we have a Ph.D. in neuroscience on our writing staff, and she really made sure all that stuff made sense and we were we had a working within the bounds of reality but um but that stuff was really hard it was supposed to be like five separate scenes and then i showed up and uh tj the director is like we're gonna just get it all in one oh <laughs> broke into a sweat it's like, totally totally yeah I, I know this yeah i got it <laughs> um how much of a trek person were you before this were you like a super fan or were you um so i was not super like indoctrinated i had an uncle who was really into star trek he reads like all the novels and knows everything back and forth and he got us like christmas ornaments of all the ships oh wow (laughs) that's really cool i mean we have everything um (laughs) 
And so, like, I would kind of watch Next Generation. You know, it was in syndication when I was a kid, mm. so that was always on after school, so we would watch that. Mm-hmm. But um, my boyfriend and his parents are, like, hardcore Trekkies. Like, he has, like, pictures of, like, him in, like, like yellow uniform, like, <laughs> t- like filming Will Wheaton and, like, at, like <laughs> conventions, and he tells a story about his mom, like, meeting Patrick Stewart and then, like, weeping with joy. <laughs> afterwards so I definitely am tuned in to what that's like right you know and how much it means to people and so wait, wait, did, was your boyfriend did you meet him before or after you booked this show or? Um, before and there okay. was listen, there was a period where I was not allowed to tell him and I would just like stare at him with like bloodshot eyes like I have to tell you something but I can't <laughs> it was really intense that's amazing yeah what did he say when you finally were like guess what I probably was like <laughs> actually we went the day i found out like i mean i was like you know disassociated i was like what just happened in my life um but i went and got dinner with him and his father and i had to like sit on it the whole time and it was really intense but i got to tell them and i got it on camera so it was oh really that's good. amazing yeah it was really good <laughs> oh that's awesome how um have you been to any conventions yet, or are you still... Well, we went to Comic-Con, right. and um, and then the Toronto Fan Expo, and then oh, cool. the New York Comic-Con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, a t- I, haven't gone to, I haven't gone to the Las Vegas one yet. <sighs> I hope to go in the future. Um, but it's really cool. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. And the, the, the cruise awesome. as well, which our, our regular host, Jordan, was yep. on uh, a week or two ago, so... <laughs> right, 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 right. I saw pictures. Yeah, it's so cool. It's really... Um, overwhelming in the best way yeah it really is yeah um especially with just like people who are super into it like i'm i'm a fan but i'm not like you know super hardcore so this totally. is all very new well i dig passion in all its forms so it's like really yeah. it's really cool well, that's awesome I'm, yeah. it's cool that you're like prepared to be like yeah this is, <laughs> i'm here this is me i'm in star trek um one time at the toronto fan expo there was a guy dressed as both a lego and spock like Lego Spock? Lego Spock. Wow. And I, I waved at him, and he was like, he snubbed me. <laughs> and I was like, you're going to regret that after you use the panel. <laughs> Do you know who I am? Do you know who I'm going to be? <laughs> I'm Captain Killy. I'm Captain Killy. I'll rip your tongue out. Just kidding. I'm sure he's a very nice man. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're listening, uh, I'm so sorry. We're just joking. I loved your costume. It was impressive. Um, What's the environment on the bridge like like filming all this stuff is it are they is everyone really serious or do you guys just make jokes all the time um it's so much fun we try to like you know if there is something serious happening or someone has to play something um that requires like you know a certain amount of concentration we try to like foster Mm. that atmosphere so you try to help your um castmates get to that place and not be joking around when they have to like watch someone die or whatever <laughs> but other than that it's like we have a lot of fun oh, that's cool there's like this, this moment we're in like the turbo lift right. and we're all going to enter at the same time to find out like i'm captain killy and like all this stuff and we all just started singing eye of the tiger <laughs> and like there's some really good singers in the group is on the set is that on it's video really <laughs> that seems like it needs to be on youtube yeah. no you know some things are just for the moment you know just <laughs> So it's, it's lost true. for ages, but we could probably try to get the band back together at some point. You should do a musical episode. Well, we've talked about that. You should bring oh. musical episodes back. We're Come big, on. We're big Buffy fans, so we talk about it all the time. That would yeah. be amazing. Yeah. Wait, so who's the best singer on the cast then? Well, Anthony. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Anthony was on Rent. Yeah. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. He's amazing. We, of course. I've got to see him sing since we you know, started filming, and it's just incredible. And Wilson is a wonderful singer. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Mary, Mary Chifo is actually a beautiful singer. Really? Yeah. I like, mainly just sing in joke form. <laughs> Same. <laughs> you get it. Yeah. <laughs> Like I can get there, but you know, it's not gonna be it's not gonna sound great. Right. Um <clears throat> who's do, is there anyone who like jokes around a lot compared to everybody else or um well we're all kind of jokers. Yeah. We all like to laugh a lot. I mean, I you know, struggle with not making jokes. <laughs> Doug is really, really funny. Doug likes to like sing and dance in his costume, which adds a lot of comedic effect. <laughs> and he already has those like feet. Exactly. I mean, he's hilarious in this Saru costume, like singing show tunes. <laughs> oh my God, I need it's, to see that. Well, it's on tape. I think Sonequa posted it on Instagram, actually. Oh, I gotta go find that. And now I'm really praying this musical episode to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me, Sonequa, and Shazad do a character called the passive-aggressive um, makeup and hair person. <laughs> um, so we like to do like long, long form improv <laughs> that like no one really understands why we're laughing so hard. You know, that kind of right. thing. It's really fun. Oh man, um, how? What, what's been your favorite? Maybe I guess scene that you've gotten to do so far. Um, if you could pick one or two yeah, or ten. Um. <laughs> Um, I guess being Killy is really, really fun and really different than what I gotten to do up until that point. Yeah. So that was really, really fun. And, you know, especially when that moment where, like, I found out that I'm Killy, that was like, I don't know, it just got to be like a little clown show for a second, <laughs> which is was, was really fun. And Jonathan is so, so funny. Yeah. Um, and Jason is so, so funny. So it was like just, you know, just kind of a blast, really lighthearted day. That's cool. It's a great scene. And I just, like, I remember watching it just sitting on my couch, like, screaming, like, yes, I can't believe this is happening. Um, I wanted this to happen for so long. I thought that, because it was teased, you as a captain was teased early on Uh uh, when Stamets, like, looked at you at one point and was like, and he called you captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, And I took that to be, like, I thought that he was seeing into the future. I thought that you were going to get, like, your, you know, your wings. Yeah. Later on, but yeah, this was, I did not see this twist coming that early on. That's so good. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I'm very easy to, to trick with this kind of thing. Excellent. Yeah, I, I have to say, I've been very happy overall with all the twists in the show so far. Yeah. I'm absolutely yeah, thrilled. Really oh, I'm so glad. There's a lot of them, so. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there'll be more as well. Uh, oh, we'll, yeah. We got three episodes left at this point, so. We got some real sneaky writers. They'll <laughs> 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 getcha. Has there ever been like a complete shock that everyone on the cast was like talking about like I can't believe they're doing this um let me see I think Colbert uh being killed by Tyler was really shocking I yelled you I'm, a, I'm a very like active watcher so I yelled I, even watching it I was like no and I, I knew it was gonna happen um I think that like um um, Lorca kind of turning mm. was the kind of thing where I knew it from the beginning that he was from the mirror universe, but I forgot it because <laughs> he's so good. And then when it happened, I was like, whoa, yeah, I knew that the whole We've time. We've discussed that often on this podcast about, we, we, we definitely had a theory that he was from the mirror universe prior and we were very happy to see uh, that we were right. But he's, yeah. he's done a great job of kind of skirting that line of, 
Is he? Is he not? We don't. We don't really know. No, I, mean, I think if you would watch back, I think he's doing some real like next level stuff yeah. with that. Truly. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do right after seeing this one. I was like, I need to watch the rest again because they go through like they have flashbacks. Yeah. When um and Michael's so, thinking about it, it's, it's like, really oh. hard to ride that line, you yeah. know, and not give it away, and yeah, make sense of it in both. Oh, sorry. Make sense of it in both stories, like the story that you're really a captain from this universe and the story that you're secretly from the mirror universe. Yeah. And that's really good work. It's really cool. I remember thinking, like, they, they don't, they can't cast Jason Isaacs to just be like a nice guy. He's gotta, <laughs> there's got to be something with him. He is actually a very nice. Guy. <laughs> I'm sure he is. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, he's just he's played these characters so much. Yeah, he's he's really good at it. Yeah, yeah. But he totally tricked me. I did not see that coming at That's all. Funny. I'm glad. Um, let's see. What else did I have to ask you about? Oh my goodness. Um, how how much like Tilly are you? Would you say? Um, a lot. Yeah. I especially like. Especially Tilly meeting Burnham, like that's me. Mm. I mean, <laughs> I have enormous social anxiety and like don't know where to put it. <laughs> so I'm like kind of a puppy, and like, um, so like a lot of that is is me. And I feel like you know I couldn't play it unless a bit of it, a bit of it was, yeah. you know. And I think, um, but that's not all me, and also that's not all Tilly. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. She, you both contain multitudes. We sure do. <laughs> we are large. Um, I do remember seeing like the first time we meet your character and the first time uh, she meets Burnham and has that like total fangirl moment. I was like, this is the kind of character we've needed in Star Trek for so long because there really hasn't been like someone who's just the fan, like just the you know really happy to be here, right? <laughs> really so, stoked. Someone who's also experiencing that this is like out of this yeah. world and fantastical. Yeah. You're in space. Yeah, this is so cool. <laughs> <It's crazy. laughs> um, who's your, I don't, I don't want to make you like pick favorites, but who have you had? I think I guess the best time working with of the cast. Um, yeah, that's like impossible. To, to choose, <laughs> I know, but I mean, I've had like a great time with everyone, and I've like learned something from everyone. Yeah. You know, Sinequa is like ever patient, ever resilient. Like, if I were Sinequa, I would be so tired and cranky all the time. <laughs> She's so lovely all the time, and so I feel like you know. I've learned a lot about how to be a leader mm. from her because she's the best possible leader we could have for the show. She really is the heart and soul of it in so many ways. She's great, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jason is like such a seasoned actor. I just like, he's the kind of person that when he is on screen and I'm not, I like rush over to the monitor to watch him go because I'm like, how is he doing it? <laughs> um, so I don't know if I've learned anything but or just been in awe. <laughs> yeah. um, he really like figures out a way that he needs to work. You mm. know, he like creates a creates the circumstances he needs to do his work which i respect um michelle i don't know where you know everybody's kind of a legend so yeah it's crazy um doug and his eternal patience being in prosthetics for like 17 hours and still being like an amazing actor through all of that yeah and also his ability to nap at any moment he naps oh he can nap <laughs> at any moment i wish i could do that for any quantity of time like in his face in 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 all of it and just like sitting on a chair like so he, so he sleeps while he's getting the makeup put on no he just like sleep <laughs> sleeps all the time like, <laughs> we're like if we have to run backstage they have to do a camera thing doug will just like nod off and you'll be like in a conversation i've just spoken to him be like right doug oh sorry be quiet <laughs> don't wake him <laughs> I, guess, I guess i have i had to wear like stuff all over my face and body i'd probably 
sleep a lot too. You gotta get it where you can. <laughs> That's yeah, a little narcoleptic. Sure. Well, I'm sure he has to get up real early to put that makeup on. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he gets there at 3 a.m. and he like oh leaves at, you know, he's one of the hardest working people in the business I've ever met. Oh, jeez. It's I, incredible. And that goes for the Klingons, too. I mean, that's it's oh, hard yeah. work. And you have to be really awesome to do that stuff. Do they have to, like, speak lower when they when they talk, do you know? Because they do, like, they have voices right. that are deeper. Do, yeah. they have, do the actors have to do that, the, like, kind of themselves, or do they just mostly speak I'm wondering the if they pitch it down. I'm not sure. It feels very natural yeah. in, when you're working with them. They do some editing, I think, with the voices to make it feel a little, un, in, in, like, not... A little more alien. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know if they're, like, really pitching their voices down. They're definitely, like, embodying mm. a Klingon. <laughs> well, they look great. Yeah. It's amazing. Up close, yeah. Um, what... Is there anything that you hope happens for Tilly? What do you? What are your hopes and dreams for her? My hopes and dreams. Um, I don't know. I mean, I love. I love what's happened already. Where she's. I feel like she's grown so much since we first met her, mm-hmm. and I feel like the writers have really given me opportunities to like learn new things about this person. She's not one note at all. No, yeah. She's changed a lot, and so I really hope that keeps happening. And. Um, I can't begin to imagine what they have in store for her, but there's, you know, there's a lot of great opportunities in space for things to change for a person. So continuing like upward and onward trajectory. I hope she finds love. That would be great. <laughs> That's what I want for her. Totally. And, like, and hope that love is not a secret Klingon. Yeah. I do. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if it was like a gaseous ball alien. You know, like something like not... Something interesting and different. Some, yeah. Something not humanoid. Yeah. <laughs> you have to like bend your mind to understand how you can interact. <laughs> that would be very interesting to see Tilly, Tilly do. I'm not going to do the writer's jobs for them. Okay? I don't get paid for that. Well, maybe they'll listen to this and they'll, do, they'll write that in for you. Yeah. I'm sure they have a myriad uh, brilliant ideas for all that kind oh, of stuff. Yeah. But I'm happy to go wherever they lead me because they've done me well so far. They've done such a great job. I'm so happy with the show. I was very hopeful yeah. for it That's uh, awesome. when I heard that it was happening. And then, you know, I've loved it so far. So Oh, that's so nice to hear. It's been it's been good. Cool. Jeez. Oh, I can't wait to see... What happens next? I bet you probably can't tell us anything. No. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to dance around questions I want to ask and, and yeah. if I can get anything out of it. None's coming to mind. <laughs> um, but it'll continue to be fun, topsy-turvy. Um, good time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's a good place to end it at. Yeah. Unless we have any other things we want to talk about. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, this guys. This really fun. Thank yeah. you for Absolute pleasure to have you. Yeah. So nice to meet you. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
This is Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. All right, Mary Wiseman on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. What a treat. I wish I could have been there. Brian, she was probably lots of fun, right? Oh, she was great. She was she was um, just like Tilly in real life. She was absolutely amazing, and it was, it was a pleasure to meet her. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of her first gig. I mean, I don't know. that She was right out of school when they grabbed her. She's very young. I don't know how old she is, but she does not have too many television and film credits, probably has done a lot of theater, and um, what a get, you know? What a, what a star is born. A nebula is born. And, uh, you know, it's going to be nuts when she hits now that, you know, she talked about in the, in the interview, has she done a little bit of the, um, the convention circuit, the Comic-Con circuit, but before anybody knew her. So this, you know, next time she goes, it's, it'd be it's a, a lot more interesting for her. <laughs> Absolutely. So dig it. Episode 13. What is episode 13 called again? The actual title is called, um, uh, what's passes prologue, right? Which is a callback to, um, something that Lorca said in one of the earliest episodes. Yes, and... and, and oh, yeah, go ahead. Do you, now, Brian, this is my favorite question. Is this your favorite episode of the show? Uh, um, I ask you every time. It's close. Uh, I, I may have to go back to, to two episodes ago or so. Episode, t- episode 10, the, the first one back from the break? Possibly, but this was a great episode, and, and so much happened, so much more than I expected happened like the, the way I had I had this whole uh, season worked out was w- they didn't get to this point until the very end of this the season and they yeah. just went warp speed ahead and it was absolutely nuts yeah I don't know if this is I mean I think there's something about episode 10 and that insane reveal of Captain Killy well it just it just really it was just the funniest and fun yeah <laughs> most exciting moment and then Lorca pretending to be a Scottish having a Scottish accent <laughs> yeah that was great but this is this one has similar shocks and some of it is to do with uh the phaser battle in the corridor was just something I just could not believe I was seeing but before we get to that let's kick it open with a question I have the first thing you see is Lorca back where he belongs mirror Lorca all along and he's releasing his loyals in their agonizer booths. And the voiceover is, you know, one year, three months, and 14 to the day. The implication that these people have been tortured for over a year is just insane. It's insane, I mean, it's and, terror- and it, it, it makes you think, um, you know, how are they still mentally all there? How, how does that not have, have any scarring uh, on their yeah. psyche for being in that for over a year? Well, maybe they get like Sundays off or something. I don't know, but uh, it is. Uh, it's that is a question that uh, perhaps when this when there are uh, when there's a discovery novel that really digs into the agonizer booths of the Terran universe, uh, we'll find out. But you're right. I mean, you're in there for a year. You're going to come out a little bananas. But nevertheless, he's releasing his people, and we see Mira Landry is there. How about that? Yes loved seeing her and what was so funny was regular landry was kind of a gruff tough ice queen anyhow so it seemed like he was the exact same person (laughs) (laughs) exactly like maybe mirror landry should be really nice i don't know but uh (laughs) it was it was mirror landry and and naturally she is his uh top lieutenant so it was so cool seeing her and then we get the story of how Lorca 
wound up in the mirror universe anyhow and it was never by design it was an accident <coughs> and what i liked was that they did tie it into tos because he said something to the tune of his ship naturally i've forgotten the name of his ship but they've mentioned the, the, the boring now. there you go uh was fighting the the awesome palace ship that looks like the eye of sauron on top of a star destroyer <laughs> or below a star destroyer it's crazy um they're fighting he's being uh teleport uh, teleported he's being put through the transporter while the ship is flying through an ion storm and that sends him to the mirror universe and that's what happened to kirk and uh company way back when in mirror mirror they were coming up from the planet of halken trying to negotiate a trade deal about uh, dilithium crystals, warning them about the Klingons. There was an ion storm. They beamed up, and blah, 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 that's how they ended up in the Mirror Universe, and they did the first switch. So that was a nice uh, callback. I don't even think they mentioned ion storms when in DS9 when um, uh, Chief O'Brien is zipping back and forth between the Mirror Universe. Uh, I don't think they ever mentioned that. So that I thought was a really nice callback. And then, you know, speaking of that uh, sort of that <laughs> the Eye of Sauron, as I called it, this is the sphere of um, spores or whatever. <laughs> the might so awesome. The mycelium, uh, mycelium engine core or something like that core <laughs> orb or whatever. And uh, what what Stamets and Mira Stamets and Saru have discovered is that it's going to destroy all known life. Because, and you know, this is hardly subtle, uh, it is an unsustainable energy source. And Stamets is like, who would be so foolish as to try to use a non-renewable, unsustainable energy source? It's going to destroy the planet. And Saru's like, well, people are dumb. You know, this sort of <laughs> happens. And uh, I don't know, not that I'm the world's most fervent environmentalist. I certainly could do better with my own carbon footprint. But yeah, you know, it does make you wonder if 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 an alien race were to look at what humans were doing with our own sustainability, they'd probably think we were pretty dumb, huh? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, and I, I didn't even pick up on that analogy there, but I mean, yes, that's that's a pretty good uh, message there. Yeah. Oh, I th I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty obvious, but uh, maybe you were so in the moment you didn't catch probably. Up to it, but. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I caught that as a as a little bit of a hey, where are our wind? Where's our wind and solar <laughs> plan? <laughs> Don't be like the Terran Empire, you schmucks. Um, but and then very soon thereafter, there was another line that is more ripped from the headlines than anything on Star Trek in decades, where evil Lorca, evil Lorca. We shouldn't call him evil Lorca. He's just been Lorca all along. Yeah. But true Lorca is giving his rallying cry to his troops. They, he wants to overtake Philippa Georgiou, and he proclaims that if they follow him, they will make the empire glorious again. <laughs> Not too subtle. Not at all. <laughs> Not too subtle. So all I could think was... Can't wait till the next Star Trek convention when I see red baseball cap that says "Make the Empire <laughs> Glorious Again." See now, uh, uh, but I, what's funny? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, my question is: Is that it? Does how did you feel about uh, the, the, after the actual reveal of Lorca? I mean, it was great to to kind of think about it the whole time, but did it, did you feel it kind of diminished his uh, his role overall because it felt like a little bit of a 
Um, uh, do you feel slightly disappointed by the fact that he was just like evil in a sense? Well, uh, no, I don't think. I'm not sure. I mean, it, it was impressive as like a slow burn, yes, sort of absolutely. like master master chess player, you know. And when you think back on it, I I guess it all sinks up. I mean, he clearly. You know, we always wondered how the heck did Burnham end up on the Discovery in the first place. You know, that pilot was killed. There was that storm of spirochetes or whatever the hell it was that brought her there. Um, And then, you know, why did he keep her so close and all that? So that all now fits in. Um, The stuff about the Klingon War, I mean, I guess he really doesn't have a stake in it you know he wouldn't really care but i guess he had to pretend i mean he well he, he i mean okay about the- in terms of that so now in a previous episode he did mention uh, uh that we have to get back to deliver this this information to the federation i he actually did seem sincere in that and based on that his speech to to saru and the rest of the crew discovery that about him letting them go i, I think he actually was genuine in that but um, well, it's a good, it's a good point. I I, I, I say yes and no. I, I, I part of me says no because you got to remember when when he's on when he's about to go over to the sh- uh, the when he's about to beam over with Tyler and uh, Burnham, he says something to the tune of when you get over there, you're going to have to do things that aren't true to you, but the ends will justify the means, right? And that means things like Burnham killing that former ensign in the turbo lift and watching people get. Uh, you know, uh, transported uh, into, into space, deep space yeah. so they just to die in the vacuum. So I think, you know, he had to, at some point along the way, he realized that fighting the Klingons and doing that multiple spore jump, do you know, rigmarole around the, the big ship at the end was going to allow him to unlock... The, the 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 unlock how to get back to his universe how he knew that i'm not 100 percent sure but he was able to put that together that stamets the spore drive jumping around the klingon ship was going to do it so he knew that he had to fight the klingons to make that happen um so if that was always his goal if he always kept his eyes on that prize then being an inspiring leader to a crew that he didn't really care about was going to be it, I guess. I mean, it's a little bit convoluted. It's a lot convoluted, <laughs> but it all. Uh, but it makes for good television. When at the end of the episode, you see through Burnham's eyes, holy crap, he's a bad guy all along. You know, it was Earth all along. So, um, but in terms of, does it make me feel bad about Lorca? I mean, I really did like Lorca. You know, I I got fooled. We got fooled. There were times. You know. Oh yeah, we went back, back and forth. The- Absolutely. Yeah, or you know, we can listen to our old archives as we first started watching the show, episode four, episode five, when you and I were saying, you know, I was really digging uh, Captain Georgiou, and I love Michael Burnham, and I love Saru, but this Lorca guy is really cool. I really like this captain. He's so interesting. He's so appealing. And then we, when he would push buttons and kind of um, manipulate statements into doing things, we'd be like, oh, he's a little bit of a snake, but he's still a good leader. You know, you need a leader like that in times of war. We bought his BS. We did. And that um, that's maybe like kind of a bigger message, you know, about, 
I mean, look, this episode says make the make the empire great again. I mean, that's this is a clear <laughs> message about current political time. And maybe this whole show has very wisely been about not trusting authority too much. If, if you or if you have a gut reaction, go with it. You know, uh, something else that Saru says later in the big scene, which I really want to touch upon. Saru says that uh, Lorca preyed upon their idealism and, you know, exploited their idealism. And as such, they didn't, you know, they had to bend a little bit what their core values were and they were hoodwinked. And I think that maybe this whole season is about if you, you know, you know where North is, you know, you know what right is, you know what wrong is. And don't let the rhetoric of somebody who seems charismatic change your ideals you know um that's a pretty good takeaway from from this whole season and that's what Lorca's is all about now it's unfortunate because i really like jason isaacs and i like seeing him in the show yeah same here but i think he'll be back i think he'll be back i mean michelle yo was was out for the pretty you know she was in episodes one and two and then she was gone for, for, for eight episodes <laughs> yeah so um after that make the Empire Glorious Again remark, one of the most amazing things I've seen in Star Trek ever, including the movies, including even the recent J.J. Abrams slash Justin Lin films occurred, uh, which is the phaser battle in one of the corridors of the palace ship. And I guarantee you that there will be some longtime Star Trek fans who just will hate it. And that's fine, you know, whatever. Um... But for me, that phaser battle was just... It was insane. Uh, just It was insane, and it was insane, and it reminded me of like the Star Wars uh, Episode One Phantom Menace fight with Darth Maul and Qui-Gon and uh, Obi-Wan, which, uh, you know, listen, comparing anything to Episode One is never a good idea, but that... Ba- that well, that, that's the one shine, one of those few the things that shine out of that movie. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, maybe just because they were kind of all in a line, but the... the the battle scene was just insane. The phasers, they sat, you know, they kind of look like Star Wars blasters. Um, there's just bodies flying all over the place. Disintegrating. Uh, the, <laughs> disintegrating. And then they have that shield that shows up. And then they have those guns that were attached to the wall. And just the timing of it. It, it, it was like a real weird battle. It even almost had like an Old West kind of like Sam Peckinpah Wild Bunch thing with like uh, the you know the the, the the shields going down in 10 9 8 they were counting it down and then um and then Georgiou does the emergency uh, emergency transport and um also the colors of it it looked like Tron almost it was like a mix between Tron the Wild Bunch Well it's got to be low light because everybody one. can't see light <laughs> Right Yeah by the way I have to go back I that's new I think that Terran people are are uh, can't sh- have bright lights that's i don't think yeah that's i don't remember that ever happening before. before either but i mean i mean i would have to i gotta look at the old enterprise episodes where in a mirror darkly part one and two i don't think it comes up in the ds9 arc it's certainly not in mirror mirror and it's very bright maybe mirror, a, mirror as well <laughs> yeah maybe there's a reference to it in uh in in one of the books somewhere but that's fine it just never came up before but that battle scene i think was like for TV, that was like pretty just brutal, and it wasn't even like crazily choreographed. It was just two sides blasting the hell out of each other, but in a really kind of neat—I um, hate to say—but laser-focused way. 
that was really fast and just really had a lot of oh my god like holy crap what the hell yeah is going no on? There were, a, a lot of people died in that scene and it, it was very <laughs> it wasn't that long it was about what two minutes maybe i guess yeah so what were when you were watching it the first time what was your reaction i'm just curious uh i, I was i was very surprised that there was that much i mean like i, I know we've seen some a little bit more violence in this in this series compared to pr- past series but uh you know we saw a lot of people just get disintegrated and just fall on the floor, and, and it was it was kind of brutal. And, and uh, but it was it was good. It was interesting. It was a uh, um, it's a, it's how I would imagine that battle would go. Yeah, I mean there have been phaser battles and shootouts in Star Trek before, but never quite like that. Um, because Star Trek has always been different from Star Wars, and this that was the most Star Warsy thing I've ever seen in Star Trek. <laughs> but. Um, but earned. I mean, after a lot of cool, you know, it, it it was sort of the it wasn't you know in Star Wars the cool, fast shoot 'em ups are sort of the foundation, and then you know character stuff. You know, for me anyway, that that's that's always been the draw of Star Wars. And here you've got thirteen episodes of interesting characters, cool science fiction, and then to have a little bit of this as a cherry on top was was really just amazing i mean there definitely have been great battles before and some action scenes but never never quite like this also i I think you can justify a lot of it by by saying that yes this is in fact the mirror universe where things are different this is a fascist empire and not the idealistic federation that we we know and love so i think they can kind of get away with that a little more with that uh preface yeah that's a good point that's a good point and then so the next beat was you know burnham contacts the ship uh, and I was watching it the second time with my wife, and you know she's like in some, she's like somewhere in the ship tapping on a computer, and my wife's like, "What is she at an internet cafe? What's going on here?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't know." She's Michael Burnham. She knows how to contact. Well, she's the ship she's from an some expert hacker because she pulls out one little wire, and suddenly she's <laughs> she's done everything right. She's thought three steps ahead. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was fun to watch but it's like it kind of had a fun like wh- yeah where is she just walking around the ship i was just on a ship i was on the star trek cruise you don't just walk around and find a computer screen where, where the heck is she <laughs> so anyway she she gets to the internet cafe and saru and stamets are like look we got to do some business we can't just rescue you because if we rescue you it's 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 not it's a pyrrhic victory because we're all going to die unless we stop this crazy tampering of the mycelial network can you lower the shields so now it's really she's got to lower the death star shields basically i mean this is now full-on star wars <laughs> which is totally and 100 percent fine because it's it's a trope but it's so cool to see that in the star trek context especially with what's coming up next with Saru's big speech, um, where he, as I intimated earlier, is saying today is the first, is the is the voyage, maiden voyage of, of Discovery. Because it's a Star Wars battle plan. It's a, it's a Star Wars um, uh, goal. I mean, this to know. me, this, the, the plot of that, that whole scene, it feels like a movie. Like, the stakes are that high, yeah. you know? It doesn't feel like a TV episode, and I think that's fantastic. No, no. Yeah, it's gigantic. It's as big as Star Wars, but the, but the thing is, it's a Star Wars goal, but done through a Star Trek lens. Oh, yeah, because there's, there's absolutely some say, layers to this problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's layers to the problem, and it's uh won't accept the no-win scenario. 
And I think it's just uh, hats off to our friend Ted, who, um, you know, maybe is listening or maybe isn't. Probably exhausted after putting this together. I would say. Uh, was able to really meld these two great ideals in a really fun and innovative way. So they got to get the Death Star plans. And then there's like some, you know, similar to uh, similar to Wrath of Khan, Burnham and uh, Lorca are talking to each other through screens, even though they're not on the same in the same room. And he's like, uh, the strong will rise like you. Uh, so that's like straight up Wrath of Khan, but then he's like, "Together we shall rule the galaxy," like Darth Vader and, and the Empire, and and, and or D- Darth Vader and, yeah. and Luke, yeah, or the Emperor and Darth or whomever. It's it's kind of really a great blending. And then um, and this is one, finally, this is one of the things I said earlier too was that that this was a moment that I imagined was going to be in the last episode of the season, based on the titles oh. and as how I how I envisioned it going, and they just threw all of all of this at us at once. I know it's crazy because there's still because the big twist ending is coming. So then before the big battle scene, which is outstanding, there's one other little thing. I do have a question about this. Burnham has to get Georgiou on her side. Now, what's funny is that. In a way, we're kind of on Georgiou's side, but I don't quite know. But logically, it doesn't make sense because she's just as evil as Lorca is. But still, yeah, this is the woman that that you know because some people heard some idealistic information, killed all of her inner circle with a a little floating buzzsaw. Right. <laughs> I mean, just an episode ago. I mean, that's insane. I mean, you, you can argue yeah. enemy of my enemy, but but still, it's like it seems a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it's really wild. Um, but for whatever reason, and Burnham, because I mean, spoiler for a little bit later, she rescues. Georgia and brings her back to our ship so clearly there's some sort of connection there that she feels that she can be redeemed and that goes back to mirror mirror also when regular universe kirk tries to connect with mirror universe spock and tells him that logically good is better than evil and spock is like i will consider it and and that you know if you follow the lore does lead to a changeover in the terran empire but um that fails for it fails, but but uh, what what what's interesting is um, for whatever reason, even though it doesn't make sense, we do like Georgiou, even though she ate a, a saru, she ate uh, she ganglia she, last she week. She did. Oh God, I, I still she have nightmares saru. about that. You you know, as you know, and as listeners probably remember, I named my cat Saru because we adopted a little kitten right a few months ago, right when uh, we were really in the thick of discovery. So my wife and I were watching uh, her eat a saru, and we were looking at her little kitten, going, "Oh my god, this is terrible." Well, I, I actually I find comfort and that that Mira Saru is still out there, and he still is alive and kicking, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, so. it's it's not the real it's not Saru. It was one of his fellow Kelpians. Yes. I mean, it was one that was on the ship from the previous week's episode. Uh, holy cow! So, anywho, um, what what I found interesting, what I was building up to is Burnham still somehow trusts Georgiou and goes to talk to her in her sanctuary. And Georgiou's like, how did you find me? And Burnham goes, this is your sanctuary. I knew you would be here. How the hell did she know that? She's only been on the palace ship a few days. Yeah. How does she know where Georgiou's I mean, maybe she did her homework is. beforehand. I don't know. Uh, no, no, that can't know. be true. No, that can't, she couldn't have done her homework because at that point she would have known that Mira Burnham had kind of turned on her. You know, and she would have known how, that she was how, discovered. Like, how, how, that doesn't line up, really. How long has she been on the palace ship? Not long. I, I can't imagine more than a day, 
Yeah, I think so too. So somehow there's going to be this, you know, we got to ask Ted, I bet something got cut. I think what it is, is that room. And I don't even know what it was. I do know this though. It looked freaking cool. It was some sort of weird quasi art deco, uh, Italian futurist, but with blue and white lighting room with a weird table. Um, that's her sanctuary. It must have been a room similar to the one on the Shenzhou. You know, it, there must have been something about it. Maybe it was supposed to be a chapel. Maybe it was some kind of chapel, but we were left, because um, it did have a sort of a chapel-y vibe. Maybe it was something like that, and it's just it's just left to be implied. But anyhow, I did, and I only caught it the second time I watched it. The second time I'm like, wait, how did she know this would be the sanctuary? Where the hell is yeah, she? Yeah, I didn't even realize but, it until right now. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. I'm glad I could be a pain in the butt about it. But nevertheless, it was real cool looking. And then right after that, we get the big Saru scene, and this is the heart of the episode. This is the heart of the season. Absolutely. As I've, as I've already implied. First of all, Saru is now the captain. How amazing it is It is that? amazing, and it, it's such a great payoff from uh, the, the scene, I think it was episode three or four, where he's doing the research on the greatest captains, and it's just like, you see him, like yes. he's eager and he wants to learn, and then like he's put in the situation, and he absolutely just nails it. It really is a great payoff, and it's more of a payoff to people like you and I and Karen Hahn and anyone else who wants to read David Mack's book, uh, Desperate Hours, the first Star Trek prequel novel, where which takes place on the Shenzhou, the regular Shenzhou, um, doing uh, about a year before the Battle of Binary Stars, where we get to see a lot of Saru as a uh, on the Shenzhou with Burnham, with original Georgiou, and also with members of the then Enterprise, Captain Pike and Number One. Uh, you really get a sense of what he's all about, and so the growth from that book to this moment is is really really cool. So it's exciting. Um, but yeah, then that's the big the big moment where he says this is the maiden voyage. He really becomes the captain. He's barking out orders. Lieutenant Reese, do this. Lieutenant Bryce, do that. <laughs> Bryce, 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 Bryce. He can keep him apart. That's why he's a genius. <laughs> yes. He knows who's Reese <laughs> and who's Bryce. Um, and uh, then this, you go back to the 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 um, palace, and there's an amazing fight scene. Four-way fight scene with uh, Georgiou and Lorca and Burnham and Landry. Landry, which was very reminiscent to me of the uh, the battle in the second episode with uh, with Takuvma and Vok. Oh, yeah, of course. Yes, it's a total mirror of that. Of course, it is. Yeah. <coughs> and um, first of all, Michelle Yeoh, amazing high kicks. Yes. Oh Lorca's yeah, the, got the one that went straight up and <laughs> and, and Lorca's face. That, I had to watch that again. Oh, like, wait, that wait, didn't she be... kick a knife out of the air as well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she kicks it. Well, he's got a knife. He's got it from behind with a knife. And she does this straight up high kick like a rocket and bops him right in the face with the with the tip of her shoe. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that, I, that, you can't, that was not CGI. That was Michelle Yeoh, who is, I don't know how old she well, is. Well, okay, I, I, I would argue that that was a very high shot. It was you. You really saw shoulders and up there. So I mean, they could have done that fit practically, but with somebody else's leg, maybe. So I'm, are you implying that Michelle Yao cannot kick? Oh no, I'm saying she, <laughs> she can. But that was that was re- like it, it looked a little too close and high up. Like it didn't look like it could bend that way. All right. Okay. So maybe I, there I was did question that, but there. I'm I'm still totally with the moment and thinking how how badass it was. <laughs> 
That's right. The emperor will slay you if you say something negative about her. All right. Well, that's a good point. There Maybe there was some moving magic there. But it was an incredible fight scene. And then it ended, I thought, with two things. A wonderful piece of writing. Cheers to Ted Sullivan. And an amazing line reading. Cheers, cheers, cheers to Sonequa Martin-Green. And the line was, and if you read it on the page, it ain't nothing. This is a great marriage of writer and actor and director acting as the conduit where she simply says to Lorca we would have helped you get home if you had asked and if you read on the page there's a million different ways to 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 lean on that but what she says is I'm not going to do an impression but she says we would have helped you get home if basically if you only had asked like what the hell's wrong with you why didn't you realize where you were realize what the federation is all about and ask for help and we, and this could have all been avoided we would have brought you your home your home is crazy and you're all killing each other but that's your business you know we would have done it instead there's been so much agony literally in his case he's been in the agonizer booth yeah and i did not see that line reading coming at all i mean i was digging the fight scene but when she said that i'm like this is just so smart that it really really got to me so I don't know. That's what I have to say about that. So, Brian, let me ask you a question. She stabs him, right? But before his soul has left his body, Lorca falls through the hole in the ground, a la Game of Thrones season one, into the spore drive center. Yes. Right? And I've thought about Just this. Just as the spore drive was penetrated by the uh discovery ship which was an amazing shot also they fire fire and they plow into it and then it all explodes oh yeah i felt that when saru yelled fire (laughs) it was so good so dig this he's not quite dead yet his life essence is still within him he is then consumed by the mycelial network which is then displaced displaced throughout space time thanks to the penetration of discovery. I know enough about this show to know that Lorca is not truly gone. I, He's I somewhere think, in. I felt. You think I'm right. Uh, well, yes, I I absolutely had that thought across my mind, and, and I think that um, Stamets meeting Doctor Colbert in in the uh, the network in the the previous episode is kind of a prosthetic precedent that we may be able to see him again via that. But I was kind of wondering what they would need to do that with. Um, so I mean, right. yes, the the possibility is there, and I'm sure that even if they wanted to, they can come up with something that they he can be reformed <laughs> somehow. But um, yeah. I, I did kind of question it, and uh, at the same well, time, yeah. Well, a couple things. Number one, I gotta say, I'm Colbert. I liked seeing uh, Wilson Cruz again. I don't quite get what's going on with Colbert in in Stamets's head. Yes, I, don't know I did not understand it either. <laughs> I think it's a memory. I think it's Stamets was having a dream reverie state. And he was, you know, talking with himself, you know. And that was just how, um, how his mind kind of Yeah, that's it. how his mind interpreted it. Because he saw his lover die and, you know, it was a big deal. I did like, though, at the end when he's traversing the mycelial network and Anthony Rapp, who I just find so great, he goes, thanks, Hugh. <laughs> I just like the way he says it. Thanks, Hugh. So, um, but uh, putting Culver aside, I think that Lorca, evil Lorca, regu- you know, Lorca from the Mirror You not dying, falling into the mushroom world, and um, then having it displaced 
is a recipe for he's out there and he's coming back sometime in season two. I'm going to be the one with the wacky theory this time. And I'm the one who's going to say he's coming back because he fell in the spore, spore land. I feel like if, it, if we see Jason Isaacs again, it's going to be the, uh, the regular universe version of him. Yeah, well, there's that too. Like, where is regular uh, Lorca? Like, is he like a mechanic working on the moon somewhere? Like, what does he do for a living? Is he a regular schmo? Um, I feel like that is a question that needs to be answered. But they can't answer it before they answer something else. Did we come to the big ending here? Hold on. Oh, one other thing. Oh, two things. All right, Brian, get ready for this. Okay. As I mentioned before, I feel that there's a lot of Star Wars influence in this episode. To the good, you know? Yes. Only the good stuff. I played it now twice. As Lorca is falling into the orb, into the sphere, into the <laughs> the power of the spore drives, and he then disintegrates. And as I theorize, he's going to come back to life. But as that happens, he makes a death roar. And that death roar, I swear to you, go back and listen to it. Listeners, go crack open your CBS All Access apps and go to the end and watch this moment again, frame by frame. That moment sounds exactly like a TIE fighter roaring in space from Star See, Wars. See, I thought it was a uh, <laughs> I thought it was a, a variation or a shortening of the, uh, the, the famous Wilhelm scream. <laughs> Maybe it's both. <laughs> no, it's lower. It's it sounds exactly like a TIE fighter. I wish I could do a side-by-side -side right now. I'm going to go back but, and listen uh, to that. Yeah, it really does. Maybe for next week we can have the side-by-side -side ready. Let's get people listening to it. And I, I, there's, a, there's, there's two ways to interpret this. One, it's a complete uh, coincidence, and that's probably what it is. But two, it was a sound designer saying, let's be cute about this. And since there's some Star Wars essence in this episode anyhow... Let's make a similar thing. I don't think they took an actual TIE fighter and, and manipulated it, but it definitely made me think of that immediately. Hey, so may, that's maybe my Jason, crazy. Maybe, maybe Lorca got sent over to the Star Wars universe and he'll be in The Last Jedi. I mean, uh, not The Last Jedi, uh, Episode <laughs> the, 9. The, episode 9, who knows? <laughs> so I thought that was really cool. And then um, one other thing about uh, Georgiou, right before Burnham grabs her and saves her, the shootout is like, reminded me of Scarface. Yes, when I she can gets see that. the gun. <laughs> She's like, no, uh, they've seen my neck. I have no honor in this universe anymore. I'm going to go out swinging. And she grabs a, uh, like a phaser rifle. And I expected her to like, say hello to my little friend. Like She was really <laughs> just shooting everything that comes in the door. I thought that was really cool. So that pretty much does it for this episode, except for the twist, which is then they get back. And, of course, there's, they shot it by nine months. And, you know, in nine months is all it takes to give birth, and they've given birth to a new reality. The Klingons have one, which really opens up the door to God knows what, because whatever reality they're in now is not Star Trek as we know it, right? I mean... Well, they said it's, it's the, their own reality. No, I know, but the, the, what I mean is all this time... Discovery, the television show, has been 10 years before Kirk, Spock, and Bones. Yes. Now it's not because they've changed the timeline. Well, I mean, this could be how it always went. We just didn't exactly know. No, Starfleet is dead. They said they, they couldn't even get a response from Starfleet. That's when they, true. That Starfleet tag command. At the end of, yeah, they're like, mm. we, have no, we have no response from Starfleet. 
And so then you're saying this is this is now a new, a, a new timeline in, in a sense. This is a new timeline until, for as long as they remain in it. Now, it's possible that in the forthcoming episodes, or maybe even next season, the Discovery will figure out a way to go back in time nine months and go back to where the split was. Because hmm. the split is this. There's a war going on between the Federation and the Klingons. The Discovery is supposed to be the ones that is gonna that are going to change the tide of the war, and the Federation is going to win because they have the codes to stop the cloaking device. They have that information. They foolishly didn't email it or send it via Dropbox, and <laughs> instead they were going to go to Starbase 46, right? Correct. But along the way, Lorca changed direction and plopped them in the Mirror Universe. They have their adventure in the Mirror Universe for three episodes, and then they come back, but they overshoot it nine months, and they wind up in a time in which the Klingons have defeated the Federation. So there's two options for the rest of the show. Number one, everything we now watch in Discovery is in another timeline, not the timeline from original Star Trek, not the Kelvin universe, but a new universe. <laughs> the Lorca universe. <laughs> yeah, or the Lorcaverse. Or they're going to figure... Actually, Lorcaverse sounds kind of cool. It that does, has yeah. a nice ring to it. Or they're going to come back in time and fix things. And I, you know what? I'm going to say that they don't know yet. I'm going to say that the it hasn't been established because that's part of the fun, is they're going to figure this out. Yeah, I'm not so sure. I mean, uh, one thing I'll say is that, that um, when Stamets is navigating the network in the end and they're showing you all the tubes, which I thought was a great visual, uh, the whole time I'm thinking like, oh, this is going to be it. This is going to be another theory I had right. And I wasn't. Uh, I, I, always, I thought that they were going to end up either very far in the future to the point where we would be seeing new... Uh, you know the the future in Star Trek beyond what we've seen right, previously. Like po po yeah, like post Janeway. Yes, uh, Star Trek. I thought yeah. post Janeway Star Trek, or I I thought we may be going to other realities. So yeah, th to think that, that that we just overshot the timeline by nine months is something I actually didn't think of, and this is a is a very nice, interesting, surprising twist. Uh, yeah, no, very same here. Very surprising because I I thought when they were in that in that sort of Doctor Who like wormhole. Uh, I also was thinking, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? Are they going to go to the land of the lost? Are they going to be in the past <laughs> with dinosaurs? Are they going to go to post Janeway? And uh, and then this was a big surprise. And uh, I don't know. And they're going to have to fight new Klingons. Well, you know what they're going to have to do? The implication from, I I forget if it was this episode, no, it was the one before, was that Lorel has saved... Tyler correct right because she's doing that operation and she took pity on him and separated Tyler from Voke now I don't know how I don't think it's necessarily separated I think it's just a like a minor repair I think it's still it's as it's intended the Tyler personality is superimposed over Vok which I don't know how that actually works but that's how they explained it so I think so that they're both still did there she... and he can still kind of teeter back and forth between them oh. or can be so awoken she... again I'm not sure I, I don't think that you would have made a permanent change that quickly or so that easily. Uh, I think you mean Avoken, not Avoken. <laughs> so she um so she didn't like close the door on Voke or Tyler. I don't think so. I, I think it is yeah. for it's, now you'll see the Tyler personality over you know over the Voke personality just as it was intended to be while he was a sleeper. Uh-huh. Okay. 
Well, I mean, I, I, who knows? I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. Um, but the point I'm making is that if they go back, and now they're in a world where the Klingons have won. Very curious Saru how they'll has, react to that. Yeah, Saru has sort of made peace with Lorel now. They sort of had an understanding. They did. And what's interesting is um, we don't know who's in charge of the Klingons now because uh, what's his name? Cole was killed. Correct. So we don't know who is top dog uh, on Kronos at this point. But it's possible that whoever is top dog right now would, for whatever reason, hate Tukuvma and Tukuvma's followers and hate Lorel. And if that's the case, if Lorel is public enemy number one, she's going to be on the side of our gang. So that could be good, right? That could make for an interesting thing where Lorel suddenly has to become part of the team, you know, kind of like Seven of Nine joining the Voyager or, or even the Maquis joining or, you know, former villains, you know, turning and becoming, uh, for lack of a better expression, good. And So th- that could be... At the time of this, we haven't seen the, the preview for the next episode. But, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to get some of those characters in the next episode because we didn't see any oh, of them this yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, I don't like watching the preview anyhow. I like, oh, I like, I like talking it out with you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that's a good point. So, uh, who knows? So, that's what's happening with that. I had one other thing I wanted to ask, and it's possible that you brought this up with Matt uh, last week. Um, one lingering thing. In two episodes ago, Burnham and Tyler go down to the planet Harkon, I think, uh, and they meet with uh, the Firewolf, the real, the Mirror Voke, and you meet Mirror Sarek, who has a beard, which is awesome. Yes. <laughs> and Mirror Sarek does a mind meld with Burnham, and there's a lot of ambiguity about what Sarek learned from that mind meld. We know that Sarek um, n- knew enough to know that Burnham was true, that she was pure of heart and intention, and she did not come to the planet to attack uh, Voke or to kill them. You know, to, to, to she was there for, for the reasons she said she was. But we don't know if Mira Sarek knows that, um, you know, she came from a different universe, that she was our universe's Sarek's, uh, you know, adopted daughter. We don't know any of that crap. I, you now, know, I, it, I think, I think he, he does know that. I, I mean, he, he says that he, she comes from an idealistic place. Uh, I, I think he knows that he's, he's from somewhere else. Maybe he's not quite sure as to what. I mean, they did. They showed scenes of of young Burnham with uh, with the regular universe's Sarek. So he, right. I mean, okay, I, right. I imagine you're that right. he would have seen that as well. You're right. It also may not matter because we know that most of the that there was a, they were trying to evacuate the planet when Georgiou's uh, palace ship came in and destroyed it. And Georgiou was like, I had to clean up your mess. And I think Saru and uh, Burnham are like, oh, they weren't all able to evacuate yet. That leaves a little wiggle room that maybe some of them evacuated. Yes. Like maybe Voke evacuated, maybe Mirror Sarek evacuated. It doesn't really matter because they're out of the Mirror Universe anyhow. But it's there's a, I just wanted to mention that there's a possibility that Mirror Sarek is still alive. And Mirror Sarek knows everything about our universe, including Burnham and everything else, and the other Sarek. And maybe that'll mean something down the line. You know, this is it's a 
sort of a dangling footnote that that potentially could come into play down the road. Well, I mean, uh, think knows, about it too but... in terms of, uh, of of what you mentioned earlier from the original Mirror Mirror episode, um, Kirk and c- kind of convincing Spock. I mean, what if there's what if Sarek actually communicates with him and says, hey, there's, there's a different way. And he's like, no, that's nonsense. The Terran way is the right way. And then Kirk <laughs> says it to him and he's like, wait a minute, maybe he was right all along. And that's that what yeah, yeah, drives yeah. him to oh, kind of overthrow the, the, the empire. Not overthrow, but take control of the empire. Right, 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 yeah. Well, there you go. All right, cool. So there's a lot going on there. I got one more so, thing, too, actually. Yeah, uh, go for it. So now this is a, a, a very minor detail that they did mention in a previous episode. That when the Discovery did go to the universe, that the mirror Discovery did come to the main universe. Now, did it go back? Is it still is it still in the the main universe? Because they kind of went in a different Um, way this time. And also, what did they do? What role did that play? And if they're if they are still there or not? Yeah, that's the thing. Um, In the first episode, Mirror Mirror, the two part of it is that both. Kirks were beaming in both universes, and that's why there was the switch. So it's always there is some element of um there there is some wiggle room with the rules on this one. But they did definitely say that uh the mirror discovery went to our universe. So it's possible that I guess I'm just holding out to see the real Captain Killy. <laughs> Well, <laughs> wait, but she wasn't on the Discovery. She was was she on the Discovery? Yes, yeah, she was on the Discovery. She's the yeah, captain, yeah. yeah. So, so dig this. All right, here we go. Here's the theory. You ready? Okay. They get back to our universe. The Klingons have won. The reason that the Klingons have won the war is that they found a new ally in their war, and that ally was the the was the the, the Discovery run by Captain Killy, who saw that the Federation on our universe was worse than the Klingons in our universe. In other words, from her point of view... Oh, I see where you're going with this. From her point of view, the Klingons were preferable to the Federation, right? Like when we went over there and they went to that planet where we saw Sarek, Voke realized that even though he's proud of being Klingon, you know, a fellowship between the Tellarites, Andorians, Vulcans, and himself, Klingons, was preferable to the malicious and racist Terrans. Thus, when those gross Terrans come to our universe and seize the Federation, they're like, F that, and she will team up with the Klingons, and that's the reason why the Klingons won the battle, because <laughs> the Discovery, you know, led the way. So when they, when we're going to see what's going to happen is, we were just asking a minute ago, who's leading the Klingons now? That's where I was going to see if you go there. <laughs> Co- Cole is dead, Lorel's out of the picture. The head of the Klingon Empire now is Captain Killy. That'd That's be amazing. my theory. That would be absolutely amazing. That's my wacky theory of the week. <laughs> and she's going to be eating live gach, and she's going to be drinking blood and all these things. <laughs> oh, Time my God. will only tell. Well, listen, you know, we've done it again, Brian. We've wasted another hour yapping about Star Trek. <laughs> And um, I hope uh, I hope that people like our theories. Uh, they certainly should be liking yours this whole time because you've been on the money. And who knows how many episodes are left? Two, two more. We got two more weeks of this, and then we have a gap of an extremely long time. Uh, so we have a whole year because <laughs> <laughs> we don't know where this is going to end. But we have two more episodes to figure this out. 
And then we've got a lot of other stuff coming up. We've got the new Discovery book, which is about to become published. We've got some other guests we want to have on the show soon. So until then, let us know what you think. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast, all one word. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jay Hoffman, J-H-O-F-F-M-A-N. And, um, you know, tell you can you can find Mary Wiseman, who was our guest this week. She's May underscore Wise, right? M-A-Y underscore Wise, W-I-S-E. And our guest interviewer, Emma Stefanski, is uh, her Twitter account is um, it's a little different. It's like it's got a it's got a it's it's Stefabski, I think. But if you look, if you Google, uh, you'll find her. Go to Emma Stefanski on Twitter. You'll find her and say hi to her. Tell her what a great yes, job Stefabski. S T E F A B S K Y. There you go. Fabulous. So until then, we're going to catch you next week. We got two more weeks. Live long and prosper. is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.